I'm Luka Doncic and this is Locked On Mavericks Podcast. This is gonna be huge. 360 in the contract. Never that. I just take the contact. I bring it back. I'm running on the fast break behind the back. Yeah, this that, this that, this that. Jerk with the Welcome. You are locked on to the Dallas Mavericks. My name is Nick Engstead. Host of the Lockdown Mavericks podcast and joining me, as always, my co-host, contributor at Mavs.com, really close to the IR. What you got for me, Isaac Harris? Yeah, I'm not feeling well. I actually left the game a little bit early because I'm like, man, I I think the Mavs did too. But That's because uh, he's allergic to L's. Oh, <laughs> do the L dance on him. Somebody, somebody's <laughs> sitting there doing the L dance on him. Fortnite. Um, but no, yeah, Fortnite. I actually... <laughs> Uh, I actually got to the game uh, earlier today because I want to see, you know, tonight was the City Edition launch of, man, those great City Edition jerseys. And um, <laughs> now I know you're sick. <laughs> Here's the thing. I'm, we're going to say and defend the Mavs tonight, and I, I'll defend them a little bit for this game. And because we kind of pre-warned you yesterday on yesterday's pod of like, don't freak out about this. But I, I can't defend the jerseys, so I'm just going to leave that at that. <laughs> Uh, I thought that um, a really good point was brought up about the jerseys. By the way, we're gonna br- we're gonna break down this Mavericks game. 114 to 99 loss to the Clippers. A lot of things to unpack in this game. It was a real um, test for the Mavericks. But I thought a really good point was brought up on Twitter by uh, one of our longtime listeners, Scott, and he said, "Watching the Mavs play, and my seven-year-old unprompted comments that he loves the Mavs jerseys and has never seen anything like them." Which, by the way, how many things has a seven-year-old really seen? <laughs> True, <laughs> not a lot of life experience there. Uh, and the jerseys are not for you; they're for kids, right? Kids are gonna lo- love jerseys like that. They love the bright colors and everything. And I think that's really what this is all for. And when Cuban says like this, the sales will speak for themselves. It's the the jerseys sold to children i think that are gonna say more about it yeah i mean this is literally what uh, you know when i was trying to i've been pretty open like these jerseys are not my style it's not my you know they're not my favorite in the world but i was very clear i mean gosh a a few weeks ago a month ago when they uh first leaking out some but that this was you know a lot of kids the younger generations will love this and they'll love these jerseys as soon as i walked into the arena tonight uh, we'll talk about the court in a second, but like the front row, uh, the, I mean, two of one of the first few people I saw were two kids and they had two Luca jerseys in this new city edition. They, like this lime green color, the action green people just love that. I mean, especially the, you know, kids and younger generation. And when you go out, it's kind of like a Seahawks type of color scheme yeah. to an extent, but Oregon in that, um, that the launch party outside in victory park, outside the arena, uh, it was it was incredible for what they pulled off, like you know, as far as the Mavs and there was a band and a big stage and but they had a canopy over all of it and all this different uh, local artists were there. Kickstradamus was there. Um, some we shouted them out the other day, but Skyler from Dallas was there selling prints and stickers and stuff. Tyler Upchurch uh, was there selling prints and stuff. Um, two people that's active on Mavs Twitter that I'm sure a lot of you follow and stuff. They're great. Um, by way of Dallas, I built. I mean, this 
these people are selling this Mavericks uh, collaboration merchandise and they had lines wrapped around a building. So, but anyway, it was just, yeah, that color appeals a lot to the younger generation and to kids and stuff. And I did go in the, um, the Mavs hangar, the gift shop tonight. And there were only, and when I walked in there, there were only two Luca jerseys left on the rack with the, with the new Jersey. So I think kids will love them. I think they do love them. All the merchandise that goes with it, like the hats and stuff. It's just a fun, bright, uh, energetic type of thing. So, yeah, I mean, Scott's kid is in, man, it's something, you know, it definitely pops for a kid's perspective. And now whether you, I asked a player off the record, uh, in the locker room for the Mavs before the game. Just was it Nerlens? Uh, no. <laughs> I asked him. Uh, I asked him point by. I said, "Do you like the jerseys?" And they chuckled a little bit and said, "Well, they're definitely different." And <laughs> so uh, we'll leave it at that. But uh, congrats, that guy keeps his job. <laughs> <laughs> they're definitely. It was definitely different. I like the court more than the jerseys. I'll say that. I, I thought the court. Um, you know, mid courts, whatever. But it was kind of cool seeing the lime green around the outside of the court and stuff. Yeah, it was, it was interesting that they had. There's so much celebration it seems around these jerseys, and then you go into a really, really tough game like this. It's a big measuring stick, and it's weird to have so much celebration around a game that kind of means a lot. And then it was a, a big loss. It ended up being so. What was the what was the atmosphere inside the arena after you get through all the art gallery stuff and all that? Where was it tense before before the game where people like, okay, this is a huge game. We got to really get warmed up, or was it kind of normal? No, it was definitely tense. Yeah, it was a different, different feel. It's a different feel around this whole Mavs team, but, you know, a lot more media was there tonight. I mean, this was the measuring stick game for a lot of people of saying, man, all right, let's, you know, two of the best teams in the league, you know, Luka goes against Kawhi and Paul George, all this stuff. So, the different amount of media, the NBA TV, saw Dennis Scott, you know, was there. Uh, he was there talking Rolando Blackman before the game for a while. Um, yeah, different feel. That Mavericks handed out these necklaces uh, to every person in the arena, every fan that had uh, program lighting on it. So it was really cool. They, they could pretty much control that lighting uh, on each of the necklaces. So there's different times the lights would go out and every single person would have these like blue lights on them. So it looked really cool in the arena. Um, and just fully living into the, the city edition stuff because you had the court, all the graphics on the, uh, jumbotron and stuff with the jerseys. It was just, it was a different atmosphere, a different feel to a Mavs game that you just don't have. And I do want to say this, the background and the story behind the jerseys and why they are the way they are. And, just bringing uh, putting a focus on the the art scene in Deep Ellum in Dallas everything I love all of that I love that the jerseys mean something it's just how they translate on in uniform on the court I'm just not the biggest fan of that font on a jersey or graffiti on a jersey it's just not my 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 style and by the look of national media um I I would assume I was safe to assume that a lot of people on Twitter and national media stuff was taking their shots at the jerseys tonight. Yeah, here's one I liked. One, <laughs> <laughs> this guy Miles Brown said, "I thought city uniforms were supposed to capture the spirit of you know the city." Is Dallas full of gentrified graffiti? They're proud of. <laughs> 
a lot of takes will be spewed off today. A lot of takes will be fired off about the jerseys, the Mavericks, the combination of the Mavericks team getting, you know, beaten pretty bad by this Clippers team in those inset jerseys. A lot will be said about them, but don't pay attention to that. You're going to hear from a lot of people today on Wednesday that have never watched a Mavericks game this year or have just seen Luka highlights or only know about Luka and don't know the rest of the team and just don't get too upset about some of the national takes because there's just going to be takes thrown off. This is one of only two games. I tweeted this out before the game. that is This is essentially like a Monday night football game or a Sunday night football game. You're the only team playing right now at, at your time slot at that, at that point, and a lot of eyes are going to be on this game. And so... Yeah, a lot of takes are going to be spewed, but we're glad that you guys are sticking with us. We're glad you're here listening to the Lockdown Mavericks podcast. And coming up, we're going to get into this game, break down what actually happened between the Mavericks and the Clippers, where the Mavericks went wrong, and I have some really big questions I think that the Clippers exposed in this game that we need to get to. All right, Isaac, let's go through this game. So at the beginning... Uh, we saw kind of what we, we what we expected. Dorian started on Kawhi defensively. Tim Hardaway Jr. started on Paul George. Uh, Beverly was guarding Luka. And then Mo Harkless was guarding Porzingis, which was, was fascinating. The Mavericks started mm-hmm. Luka, Tim Hardaway Jr., Dorian, Porzingis, and Dwight Powell in this game. Where And the Clippers started Beverly, Mo Harkless, Paul George, Kawhi, and Zubach, which is normal for them. Um yeah, I thought Dorian was really good to start to you know defending Kawhi to start. There's just there, he's this team. We're gonna get into it, but there's just so much firepower on this Clippers team. Yeah, I mean, I, I tweeted this uh, after the game. Right now, if the Clippers are fully healthy, it's it's hard for me to imagine many scenarios in which this team gets beat in a seven game series. I I don't. To me, they're the clear number number one favorite to win the title right now. The team they roll out defensively, offensively. I mean, you saw that. I thought Dorian played Kawhi really well at the beginning of the game, first quarter, even second quarter. Um, spoiler alert: I have a, a longer piece on Dorian coming out over the next day or so. It should Ooh. be Wednesday or Thursday. I've been working on it for a bit. Uh, anyway, so make sure you read that. I'll tweet about it. Uh, but anyway, I, I thought he played Kawhi great. This is what he does. This is he takes pride in this. I, I talk about this in the piece, but he takes pride in guarding the other team's best player. And tonight it was Kawhi. He did it with James Harden. Did it with LeBron James. Like this is his thing. And but man, Paul George goes out and scores what seventeen in the first quarter. And I, I will say this: I don't think a lot of that was even Tim Hardaway's fault on some of them because they were running him off screens and yeah. he, he was just draining threes and. Yeah, I mean, it's this not like team... he was. It's not like Tim Hardaway Jr. was standing in front of him, <laughs> and he was like, yeah, yeah. getting around, and they were really running stuff. And the thing is, you just ha- you have to pick your poison with this team. And the Mavericks don't have enough individual defenders. This was a thing in the off season too. They don't have enough individual defenders to take on a team like this. And there's only yeah. there's literally only one team like this, right? Until maybe exactly. Durant comes back. Exactly. There was somebody. I think. I think it was Eddie Sefko. Eddie Sefko tweeted after the game and said the Clippers just you know just showed you the game plan of slowing down Luca. And I'm like, okay, I get that for sure. That's their game plan. But I don't think everybody can ha- can have that same game plan because they don't have the same personnel to pull that yeah. off. So it's kind of the Clippers game plan. And they played Luca perfect. They got physical with him a little bit. They were up and they doubled him at times. You put Patrick Beverly on him, but. The thing is, when you're a team, when you're a team as defensive versatile, that's not even the right word, but you get what defensively I'm saying. versatile, defensively versatile in the in your lineups, 
when you have somebody like Luca, he's always looking for the mismatch. You're always looking for the Capella. You're always looking for the guys that the you can DeRozan. get on these switches. Yeah, and <laughs> when you're running guys in pick and rolls and you're getting Mo Harkless, you're getting Kawhi, you're getting Paul George on these <laughs> switches, I mean, yeah, it, it, there's no hardly any mismatches at this point. So that's what's difficult, and I thought I thought they defended Luca well. I don't want to go down the route of, like, oh, it's all the ref's fault. I didn't think they were were great tonight. I, I didn't um, think they were good on either side. I thought there's no, no, no. there's calls on both sides I felt like that were just all over the place. Yeah, but I want to be very clear that for me, this this went this loss isn't on the refs. I no, think you can say no. that a couple games like the Lakers hold on Curry and say, the mm-hmm. Lakers refereeing was a whole different ball game for me. That that just pissed <laughs> me off. I'm not I'm not like pissed off to I'm mad like there were some dumb calls, but yeah. They didn't lose the game because of the refs tonight. They lost because the Clippers are the best team in the league, and they came in tonight. It looked like with a point to show that and say, "Hey, this this Dallas team needs to slow the roll a little bit." Yeah, in a game like this with with referees being inconsistent, maybe there's a but there's a possibility that the refs maybe stop some momentum and the Mavs could have made a run. But there, nothing's given in that sense. It's just. They may have stopped the possibility, but you know what also stopped the possibility? The Mavericks missing all these threes. The Mavericks taking really quick, you know, threes. The Mavericks pulling up from from three all over the place just early in the shot clock. I felt they gave away some possessions by not trying to do other things, and I think the Clippers' defense scared them a little bit. I think that it's yeah. hard to get around them. Luca was having Luca can get around anybody. He just you know kind of does that Harden thing where he slinks around you. Harden kind of hooks your arm. Luca doesn't do that as much. But he kind of gets around you. He gets into the paint. And he was getting into the paint a lot tonight, early. But he finished with six assists. And the reason why is the Clippers are all over the place. They have arms and they're just always getting into lanes. And they can they can hedge off of any of their defenders because they're all quick enough to get back and to close yeah. out in time to contest a shot. And when you have three guys, four guys on the on the floor at all times that can do that, it changes everything for your defense. The Mavericks don't really have guys that can do that they're out there playing you know uh you know Porzingis can't do that obviously Boban can't do that Luca is not really going to do that too much um you know and Brunson I guess kind of really can't do that there's just a lot of guys on their team that you know are not elite defenders <laughs> which you know yeah. which is fine that's it's you know what how they've made it in the NBA but why did I just say that it doesn't make any sense but the I was making a point about the Clippers they, they were tipping so many passes. I want to see how many deflections they had in this game yeah. because it felt like there was a ton. Uh, I think they only they came away with 12 steals. The Mavericks themselves had had 20 turnovers. And Luka finishing with six assists was just was massive because he's been averaging, you know, obviously over 10 a game. And he's he wasn't able to get off some of the passes that he's usually able to, to get off because of how the Clippers were defending him. And they let him get in the paint, and then they cut off all the passing lanes. And then he's just kind of stuck. And so he either tries to take it at Zubac, and he, he that worked for him a little bit. Uh, but then the Mavs can't get anything else going. Yeah, you know, you knew going into this game how good the Clippers are defensively, and you just look at the points scored. I tweeted out, but, like, you know, against Houston, they put up 45 points in the first quarter. Uh before you know, yeah. in, at halftime tonight, Dallas had forty six points. 
And that was with uh, Porzingis shot from the logo, and they had you know they they had forty three points before that you know hail mary shot from Porzingis. So that difference when you play Houston defense compared to <laughs> compared to a Clippers defense, yeah. but they're so disciplined on defense. And yeah, I thought I just thought they I thought how they defended Porzingis was intriguing. And I think if you're going to look at something and say, you know, if you're another team, you you can't pull off a defensive scheme for the whole team like the Clippers pull off. But I do wonder if other teams will look at the Porzingis thing and say, all right, if they, if they put Mo Harkless on him to try to just get up in him a lot and defend outside, is that the route? A lot of teams will start leaning more with KP instead of saying, all right, seven, three, let's let, let Steven Adams of the world and the white sides of the world have to try to like, I think you can see more teams moving forward go smaller on KP, especially when he struggles in the post-up game because he, you know, he's not right now. He's not taking advantage of a smaller guy like Mo Harkless. That's exactly what they should do because Porzingis, you know, isn't able to take advantage of that. And one of my big questions, and I think the Clippers exposed a lot of things about this Mavericks team, and this is why this was going to be a barometer game. Or I think the the <laughs> somebody tweeted at me the thing that measures win is an anometer. An anemometer? I'm probably saying it wrong, but the the barometer. This is a barometer game for the Mavericks, and so we need to take stock in what you know issues were exposed by the Clippers. And one of those is that Porzingis doesn't have a go-to move, can't take advantage of smaller players that are on him. It's something that he has to work on. We've talked about this a lot about some of his moves in the paint, in the post, and he has to figure out a way to be able, in driving. He was not successful in, in driving tonight, pretty much at all. Uh, he, I guess he had one or two drives now that I think about it, but uh, four of 13 from the field, three of eight from three, which is fine. So he only, he only made one shot inside three point line. Wow. Yeah. So it was that, it was that one drive to start the third quarter, I guess that, yeah. he, that he hit. So he has to come up with something. The Mavericks, the reason why you want star players is because they can give you absolutes. And right now, Porzingis is not giving the Mavericks an absolute of a go-to scorer. And you thought that you were going to be able to get that with Porzingis. And that's a huge thing. The Mavericks need one more guy. When Luka is being, you know, hounded and he's got a lot of guys around him and the wingspans around him, they need Porzingis to be able to step up, take advantage of the mismatch. And right now he's not able to do that, whether it's, you know, him still coming back from injury or if it's just the player that he is at this stage in his career. That's something that has to change for the Mavericks to become an elite team. Exactly. And you look at this Clippers team and you like, this is the team he in a perfect world where he's at his a game and this offense is fully clicking. This is the game where you say, all right, we know Kawhi, Paul George, Beverly is probably going to combine to try to take Luca out. This is a KP game. And this is where you look at and say, this is a night Porzingis. You need to go out and put up 35 and take it off. Take the load off Luca a little bit, but I, I want us to keep things in perspective too. I mean, somebody asked me tonight. A media person asked me tonight, right when the game started, they're like, "You think it's gonna be an L or a win?" And I was like, "Between us, I, maybe an L because this is just how good this Clippers team is." And I, I didn't like. Obviously, I don't want that, but. There's a reason why a lot of us are not projecting Dallas to win the West right now. It's still like I'm not. 
I know we've been saying a measuring stick type of game, but like I'm not coming out of this game with any big opinions changed about Dallas, with anything, any less hope that I had or any less optimism that I had about this Mavericks team moving forward. I don't think they're the best team in the Western Conference. I don't think they're going to finish wor- I mean, uh, first in the West. We've been saying, man, if they they make the playoffs, I, I think, man, best win. case, yeah, best case, it's you know top four seed. You know, they land at like a four seed in the West, three seed, something like that. You know, they make the playoffs. That's the biggest thing right now. That's what Luca keeps on saying. We just want to make the playoffs. That's the goal right now. So. I'm not, yeah, there's a lot of reactions in which Twitter's Twitter, you know, mass Twitter and stuff. Brad going at people on Twitter is one of my favorite things, <laughs> by the way. But just, I, I just think we just keep it in perspective of it's not what we wanted. I hate it. I hate seeing national reaction, but there's a reason why we're not projecting them to be a better record than the Clippers this year. The Clippers are a dang good basketball team. Yeah, and the Clippers, so. Dorian does a good job defending Kawhi in the first quarter. I think he had two points after the first quarter. Paul George scores 17 on you. Then in the second quarter, Kawhi actually you know takes advantage of his strength on Dorian. And, man, he took him in the post a couple times. And Dorian just, he just can't do anything about it because he's yeah. so strong. And it's what makes Kawhi such a good go-to scorer. He scored 11 points in the second quarter. In the third quarter, you had Kawhi with six points, Paul George with seven, and Lou Williams with seven. And in the fourth quarter, Kawhi had nine. It's just every single quarter they can throw someone else at you that can get you you know, seven to 10 points. And I think that's, that's huge for, for any team to be able to just, you know, keep throwing guys at you. And no matter, like you can stop one guy, but you can't stop all three guys. It's just, it's what makes them, you know, hard to guard. I mean, you know, the first guy they bring out the bench for the most part is Lou Williams. And, you know, he had 33 minutes tonight, put up 21 points. Uh, Something we talked about on the pod, we're saying, man, we think DeLon's going to guard him a lot. Uh, Lou checked in, DeLon checked in, uh, we were laughing about it, but uh, Lou wins. I mean, he's literally one of the best scorers in the league, and he comes off the bench for the Clippers. He's probably going to win sixth man of the year this year again, and it will be, what, his like, third in a row or something? Or- He'd be the second best scorer on the Mavericks, and he's the, what, third best scorer on his own team? <laughs> but but realistically, that's what you think about when it, when you look at this Clippers team and when Kawhi and Paul George are off the floor. And kind of picture Dallas of saying, all right, if, when Porzingis and Luka's off the floor, who's generating that offense? The Clippers have a Lou Williams and Montrezl Harrell combination, uh, but Lou Williams averaged like 20 points a game. Is Does Dallas have, like, this is one of my question marks, and it's not just this game that I'm saying, but when Luka and KB's not on the floor, Who's running the offense? Who's getting the points? We saw that the other night when Brunson wasn't in there. They didn't have that playmaker guy. We love DeLon Wright, but DeLon Wright is the 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 ultimate glue guy type of thing. He's gonna do all the all the things for you, but he's you're not gonna ask him to go out there and put up 20 points. So you know, is that guy on this roster right now? Is this a, a type of trade that you make where you bring in somebody and say, man, this is a guy that when we need somebody to get buckets and to run the offense through when KB and Luke is not on the floor. And I, I think that is a question that you have to ask yourself right now, because I think one of the things that makes Tim Hardaway excel at his role is when he's not, when he doesn't have the ball in his hands and you're saying, Hey, I sold this thing out, go get it. Make a I don't quick like decision. Tim, yeah, I don't like Tim Hardaway in that role of saying, hey, like you go do your thing. He needs to be the catch-and-shoot guy, defend, kind of like what we were wanting Wes Matthews to be for all those years. So, And the comparison I, continues. <laughs> it does continue. But, yeah, I, I wonder what that looks like. They have to figure out something 
when Luca and KB is not on the floor. Yeah, let's cut. Let's coming up. Let's let's get into some more big questions that raise from the Clippers, or just questions that we had before that the Clippers exposed. Let's get into that coming up after this. But before we do, Audible has the world's largest selection of audiobooks and audio entertainment. Start listening with a 30-day Audible trial. Choose one audiobook for free. You get this audiobook for free. Go get the Basketball Love Story book. Go get, I don't know, Tina Fey's book. Go get Amy Poehler's book if you're into that. The SNL Oral History by James Andrew Miller if you're into that. Uh, There's a whole bunch of audiobooks on there. Uh, I listened to, what's his, um, oh my gosh, I just blanked. The, The guy on... The guy on Inside the NBA. Ernie? Ernie Johnson. I just listened to Ernie Johnson's book uh, a while ago, and I really like that book. You can go get that one absolutely free if you go to audible.com slash LockedOnNBA. If you can't visit Audible right now, you can go and find this and all other offers on LockedOnPodcast.com slash offers. It's a link in the description of this podcast. All right, Isaac. This is the first team... Maybe not the first team, but this is a team where the Mavericks bench is overmatched. This is one of the few teams in the NBA where the Mavericks bench is actually overmatched. And there's a couple times where the Mavericks didn't stagger Porzingis and Luka in this game. And I think they were trying to give it a different look. And they didn't stagger and the bench just looked completely overmatched. And just completely out of it. I think early, yeah, they started that run early in the second quarter and then late in the second quarter. And then... You know, in, into the third quarter too, that the the, the uh, Clippers tried to the Clippers were able to raise their lead, and this is not going to happen very often for the Mavericks bench. I think a lot can be said about them. Oh, they need to add somebody else. Where's Jamal Crawford? They could add a guy that needs to get his own shot, but there's just not many benches that the Mavericks are going to play that are substantially better than them. Yeah, I, I feel the same way, and, and I think. One, you don't know what the, exactly the bench unit looks like some nights because, you know, Boban got eight minutes tonight. Um, Jalen Brunson got 13, uh, but Justin Jackson wasn't even Sammy. He got, what, two minutes at the end or whatever. But garbage time. You know, he wasn't even, yeah, garbage time. But I do, can I brag on a Maverick real quick? Absolutely. JJ Barea, bro. <laughs> Let's go. I can't brag on this guy enough. This guy. Not you know just where he's at in his career, where he came back from the injury, being the vet that he is, what he means to the franchise. The dude doesn't even play half the time, and I just don't, especially at this spot in his career, an older vet, being able to just on the whim know that your your role right now is if this team is sucking and they can't find anything to to work, that you know your role is they're going to put you in as like. When all crap is not working, you're the last resort to go in and make something happen. And so far, this has happened two times in that Orlando game and now this game. And the dude is like killed it in the moment. And he had 10 points in the third quarter. He gave the team a spark. It obviously didn't result in a win. But both those games, man, he just uh, how you can come in after not playing for what, five or six games and just weeks you staying ready. I know it's a vet and he's used to it, like staying ready, stuff like that. I, I just, I can't praise him enough for just being as efficient as he is in the, the fluctuating role that he's in. Is this the answer? Should JJ Barea play more or, you know, can we ask JJ Barea to play more? Should, should Carlisle have put JJ Barea back in? I think that's going to be a take that's going to be spread, you know, on Wednesday. 
Yeah, I, I don't. I lean no on that because I, I love him in this type of role, and it, it seems like he's embracing that type of thing. But I mean, you gotta take. It just goes down to this thing. You gotta take minutes away from somebody. Delon does so much stuff. You can't take those minutes. Seth Curry was the only guy outside of Brian. Uh, KP tonight that hit more than you know hit more than one three three in the game so like we've been we want Seth to get these minutes and then you're looking at Brunson Brunson's basically the only other playmaker on the roster outside of Luca and JJ but you don't want to take all these minutes away from Brunson so it's just it, it's a tough spot right now you know if Dallas ever does reach a point to where they do make a trade at midseason or something and they if if they sent one of those backup guards in a deal somewhere else, you at least know you have somebody in JJ that can step up into that role if you did a two-for-one type of trade. Yeah, and that's you know the the deep roster, the having a lot of guys that helps in a potential trade down the line. But right now, we have, the Mavericks have the guys that they have. Uh, I don't think that JJ Barea is the answer. I think maybe you go to him when things go rocky a little earlier. This is this is the role that we've we've envisioned for him. But Carlisle kind of did that with. With Boban, he went in in the first quarter, right? He went in pretty early. He was in before Maxi checked into the game. And so he went yeah. with him, the change of pace kind of guy. And so maybe going with J.J. Barea earlier in the game could have helped. I don't know. I don't think the Mavericks would have won the game, but it could have changed some things. And so I wonder if we'll see Carlisle decide to do that later in the game or later in the season. So, all right. Any other thoughts, quick thoughts from this game? What was um, you saying about big, Dwight Powell? 2018 Dwight's back, right? <laughs> It just he was he wasn't good in the game. He wasn't he was missing passes. He was stumbling through the lane as he was rolling. I mean, just the things that he's the, the one thing that he's good at is rolling, and he rolls in the lane, and he feel like he's stumbling out of bounds every time he rolls. He also got yeah. drilled in the face by Kawhi <laughs> on an offensive up, rebound. Up the counter again. Yeah, and I uh, I upped the counter, and so I tweeted that out. You can go check it out. The Dwight Powell hit in the face counter is now up to six <laughs> by my count. There's probably been more. Um. But going back to Luca, I mean, he's obviously frustrated. You just sent me a tweet. You know, the media was informed tonight that you know he just he left the arena. He didn't talk to media at all. Normally, the best players on each team they talk to the media after every single game. And you know, this happened not too long ago. Not the exact same thing happened, but you know, Luca is so competitive. Everybody's competitive. Nobody likes talking to media after losses. But Luca, he's so pissed off after lo- losses. I remember. I forgot what loss it was. I guess it was the next one. And we walked in and Luca's like, do I have to talk? You know, like he was <laughs> kind of, you know, bum. He's like, all right, let's do it. And, you know, which I get, I, I would be the same way if I was him. So, yeah. you know, he left the arena tonight, didn't talk to the media. He's already tweeted out and was like, bounce back, you know, whatever. And so he's going to, he's going to, I'm anxious to see how he builds from this and how he learns from this, how the Clippers approached him. He got frustrated early. You could tell he switched his shoes. Like, at the beginning of the second quarter, okay, so he had, he had Under Armour's on to start the game. He switched to Nike's somewhere at the beginning of the second quarter. Uh, wasn't even halftime. So, also on the shoe front, I tweeted out before the game. Ooh, yes. I walk into the locker room, and he's got a pair of Kawhi Leonard New Balance shoes at his Ooh. locker. And it's like thrown in front of his chair. And I'm like, I swear, if Luca wears Kawhi's New Balance's, up against Kawhi. I will <laughs> laugh so hard. But I, I tweeted that out, and a lot of people were like, oh, New Balance, blah, blah, blah. He's got every pair at his locker. He had a pair of New Balance. He had a pair of Nikes. He had a pair of Jordans. He had a pair of Under Armors. And he had a pair of Pumas. He warmed up in Pumas. So, like, literally, Adidas is about the only one he's not even giving a shot at this point. But 
He's living up the shoe free agent life. And he didn't play in the New Balances. No, he didn't play in it, but I've never seen him, though, at his locker. So I wonder if this is a, hey, Kawhi, you're in town. Can I try some of these out? You know, like what? You know, it's just a wild coincidence that Kawhi is the face of their brand for the most part, basketball wise. And, um, but yeah, he literally has all these brands at his locker. He's trying these them all out right now. He's living it up. And you can't blame him because whatever offer he had from shoe companies at the beginning of the season, I mean, it's pretty safe to say they've probably doubled by now, right? <laughs> I mean, least. so the better he plays, the bigger these offers get. And uh, I'm anxious to see where it turns out because at this point, we still don't even know what Luca wants in his shoe deal. But it's just intriguing to see people like Tim McMahon and all these people that sometimes shoes are never even a thing. But quickly, Luca's shoe free agency is becoming a bigger story by the week. And it's it's fun for me because I like shoes. But um, yeah, it's been fun to track. That was it, that was fascinating. This Mavs game was at least semi interesting in a Mavs weaknesses front. Where you, when you're guys like us that try to analyze the team, so they'll bounce back, like Lucas said. Oh, one last thing: points in the paint. Dallas scored 18 points in the paint. The Clippers scored 40. That's massive. That's the Dang. the toughness edge that that people are going to be harping on today. Uh, I saw Chris Porzingis with a quote. You know that we were just basically that we were soft. <laughs> he said that the. Uh, that the Mavericks were soft and weren't ready for the physicality. Here's the quote. They came into the game like, we want to beat their ass. They had a little more attitude than we did, got punched in the mouth a little bit, on to the next one. Good good to see the Mavericks kind of focusing on, you know, let's let's focus on the next game, let's move on to the next one. But that physicality is going to be a big thing that people talk about, um, you know, and it showed in the points in the paint, so... Yeah, and I wouldn't say this is a game like the Knicks game that you look at and say you flush it and move on. This is just a fluke game. I think this is a game you say, hey, we're going to move on from it, but we're going to learn from it too because this is arguably the best team in the league. Luka was frustrated, didn't play at his best game. What are they doing that made us play this way? And I think there's a lot that they can pull from this game. Don't be down down about it as a Mavs fan. This is literally the best team in the league in my opinion. And yeah. I mean, now they move on to Phoenix. Yeah, obviously if they they will off, you know, two three more losses. I think now we're looking at bigger stories, bigger questions, and things. But they go into Phoenix on Friday night, and they yeah they win by twelve plus, and we're like, it's we're right back there. So don't worry, it's fine. Absolutely. Oh, and Patrick Beverly <laughs> received the ovation he was he was destined to get. People don't do not like that guy. Not at all. Not at all. Every time he fouled and went back to the bench, he got cheered by the crowd, and that was hilarious, I thought, at least. <laughs> all right. There you go. We'll be back tomorrow with another pod, breaking down some more Maverick stuff. Guys, thanks so much for sticking with us. This is on pace to be our biggest month ever for downloads. We appreciate you guys. Thanks so much for listening to Locked on Maps. Peace out. Boom. <laughs>